0: Welcome to Palms Church. I'm Brandon Shank. I'm the lead pastor here, and I wanted to take a minute and thank you for being with us today. Hey, if you're new, text the words Palms Connect to 97000. I'm believing with you for God to do great things today. Man, thank you all. Thank you all. So, uh, so honored to bring. This message today, you know, I know the first week Corey came up here following up that video. I understand what he means now, right? There's a whole lot of energy um, this power packed in that 30 second video. But um, Pastor B will be back um, next Sunday. I just want to encourage y'all. We have an incredible lead pastor as an amazing gift of just making the gospel relevant um, to us. I want to encourage you to come back and and to check out that message. Well, this summer, um, I know it's been awesome. Uh, You know, we've had some amazing communicators along the way. I want to speak, though, very quickly um, just to Pastor Brandon and to the pastoral staff. I think so often we see stuff, right? We see. Pastor be here on a Sunday preaching his guts out, right? Um, sharing, being vulnerable, being being real. Um, and we take away so much from that, but what we don't see is the unseen, right? It's the text messages of encouragement that he's sending me this morning um, as I'm sitting in the staff room just nervous, right? Nervous beyond belief. The encouraging um, text message that he shares, it's Pastor Corey Um, who's actually been um, looking at our messages for us and really helping us um, just bring home uh, key elements of scripture that God is trying to teach us. Um, So if you don't like, I said this first service, but if you don't like the messages, Corey helped us with them, right? I know, I had to do it, Corey, right? Yeah, but I I know, just that's the unseen, right? You see him up here two weeks preaching his heart out. Um, What you don't see um, is the behind the scenes. We also did not coordinate the Orioles jerseys. Whenever your team is, Making a turnaround, right? Come on, God turn it around, right? And he's doing it, right? And then you see, we got Pastor Buddy, um, who's probably the greatest cheerleader, right? Come on, somebody. If y'all know Pastor Buddy, if there was a cheerleader, a staff denoted cheerleader as Pastor Buddy, right? Just don't look at his moves. And then Pastor Phil, um, always so encouraging, man. I love you um, just the way that you love my family, my kids. Um, I got a text message from him yesterday morning. Say, hey man, anything you need, I got you. Um, I was actually sitting in Baltimore. I uh, went to the Orioles game on Friday, took my kids. It was a, a, probably not the best decision. Three kids by myself, uh, about a five or six hour drive. All of a sudden, I'm in Salisbury, Ocean City, and then I'm in Baltimore, and they won though, luckily. But yeah, but um, Saturday, I get a text from Phil, hey man, anything you need? Um, he's offering to bring his private jet up to fly me back home because he felt the anxiety of my five or six, you know, hey, when you don't have kids, you can get a private jet, you know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Right. But I want to recap kind of where we've been um, and kind of set you up with where we're going to look at in scripture today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 11. I'm going to close out Mark chapter 11. Pastor Brandon next week, start us off in Mark chapter 12. Um, But Pastor Phil, he preached, and this was in the context of a Monday. On Monday, Jesus, he comes into Jerusalem, right? And then on Tuesday, last week, we had a uh, pastor buddy preach an amazing word, amazing message on flipping tables, right? Jesus is in the temple. He's saying, this is, this is my father's house. This is a house of worship. And y'all are the money changers. You're turning into this to, I, I, I like, I kind of think for modern day context, let's imagine every single Etsy shop that you like, is in one place inside the temple, right? It's like a flea market of Etsy shops, right? You got, you got your homemade earrings over here in this corner. You got your, your chalkboard signs over here. You got your, your farmhouse stuff over here, right? And Jesus is saying, what in the world? This is a place of worship. He just starts flipping tables, right? That's on Tuesday. I don't know how many of y'all, after Pastor Buddy's messages, you went home, you're just flipping everything, right? Come on. My boys love um, Dude Perfect, Right, I almost called them a show for service, but they're a YouTube sensation. Um, they do some shows on the road and they travel, but they have this character. He's called the Rage Monster. All right, come on, somebody. if you've ever seen "Do Perfect," you know, the Rage Monster. He just destroys stuff. So I'm picturing Jesus just in rage mode, just, de- just flipping stuff, just destroying him. So this is Tuesday. Right? And now Wednesday, right this is Wednesday, I'm going I'm to start here. Jesus comes back. Right, so you can imagine on Tuesday, he caused some ruckus, right? Come on, somebody coming in. Somebody flipping tables, right? All your, all your little earrings that you homemade, right? Your clay earrings are all over the place. So Jesus comes back and it's Wednesday. And we're going to set up here. We got a confrontation, right? The, the religious leaders are waiting for Jesus in this moment. So we're going to start here. Mark chapter 11, verse 27. And it says, Again they entered Jerusalem. Right. So Jesus is coming back. And as Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders, they came up to him. Come on, somebody. They were waiting for this moment. They know what this dude did on Tuesday and it was bad. They did not like it. Right. I want to give you just a a, a glimpse of this temple setting. The temple is just it's massive. Right. It's just imagine acreage among acreage. And Jesus is walking all throughout the temple and he's teaching, he's preaching, he's sharing the good news, the gospel, right? And and what happens is, here's what the leaders didn't like. People were following him, right? They're following him, they're clinging to every word, right? They didn't like that. They didn't want this to happen. And we see this set up. So in Mark chapter 11, verse 28, we see these religious leaders, they demanded Come on, parents. How many, how many of y'all been demanding this summer of your kids, right? Come on. <laughs> they demanded, they said, by what authority, I know that word just makes you cringe, right? What authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them, right? That word authority, um, we don't like it, right? A lot of times we don't like it because what it means is it's the power to influence or command the right to exercise power. You know, I, I love, I'm, I'm a parent. I have authority over my kids. I'll say it. I'll declare it today in Jesus' name, right? Sometimes you got to exercise your power. But they were questioning Jesus. Why, why were you able to do this? Who gave you this authority? See, we see in, in Luke chapter 19, they actually wanted to find a way to convict Jesus for what he was doing. Because the people, like I said, in the temple, they were following him. He had influence. They were clinging. They were hanging on to every word that he was saying. But see, what's interesting about these men is they questioned Jesus, but they weren't seeking the truth. See, they wanted to embarrass Jesus. They questioned him and demanded, by what authority are you doing this? This is actually, Jesus actually, earlier in Mark, predicts this happening this isn't the first time this has happened to Jesus. This, this is three years of a climax of Jesus' ministry, and it's coming to this moment because these religious leaders, they wanted to catch him in blasphemy. What blasphemy is, it's speaking against God. See, they didn't care about what the people called him when he came into Jerusalem. They didn't really care what he taught, honestly. But what they cared was what he did, and they wanted to catch him in blasphemy. They wanted him to say that he was the son of God. So we see Jesus in his response in verse 29. Come on, y'all. If you've ever read scripture, Jesus, he responds the best. Verse 29, Jesus says, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied. Come on, somebody. Jesus responded to a question with a question, right? We've seen that a lot. In verse 30, it says, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Answer me, exclamation point, right? Jesus meant what he meant. See, what's interesting about John, if you know who John the Baptist is in scripture, John was actually the forerunner to Jesus. Scripture talks about that. His whole ministry was baptism and repentance. He was so popular among the Jewish people King Herod actually had John arrested. It's a tragic story, the way that it ends. You can go back and look at it. But they believed that he was a prophet. So that the Jewish people actually clung to every word that John was preaching, that John was sharing, right? God sent John the Baptist to prepare people for Jesus. He was the forerunner. So we see the response, right? You can imagine the, the deliberation, right, with these religious leaders. This is our temple. Come on, man, this is our space. Jesus, you're in our place. So verse 31 says, they talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, this is John's authority. If we say his authority was from heaven, he will ask, well, why didn't we believe John? Right? The people loved John, but the leaders didn't. But do we dare say it was merely human? For they were afraid of what the people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know, right? Jesus ever asked you a question? You were, I don't know. We don't know, right? And Jesus responded, I love this. Then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things, right? Jesus didn't give them an answer because they didn't really care, right? They didn't really care what his response was. They had already made up a response that they wanted. They had their answer at this point. How many of y'all though just love questions, Right? Anybody just love questions? Good, nobody, awesome. <laughs> Everybody online loves questions. You know, questions, I have a son, I have two sons, my oldest, Silas, he's seven. He's a question maniac. The man loves questions, right? He, much like Jesus, responds to questions with questions, right? We had a trip, this was maybe a month or so ago, we were driving to Shorebreak Pizza, if you're not local to Virginia Beach, Uh, If you are, you know all things uh, holy and righteous lead to shore break pizza. Uh, But he's asking me these questions, right? He's asking me, Dad, what, it started out a little basic, you know, what, what are our toppings going to be on the pizza, right? Are we getting them honey sriracha wings? Come on, somebody. The best of the best. He's asking me these basic questions and I'm responding, right? Trying to give him answers so that the man stops asking questions, (laughs) Right. Any y'all, any any gram sixes out there? I see some. OK, there we go. Some enneagram sixes. Right. They just love the questions. We need some any gram nine, some peacemakers to get in your life, man. So he's just asking me all these questions and I'm just trying to I'm deflecting. I'm deflecting. Right. But it gets a little deeper. It gets a little personal. So at this point, we're sitting in shore break waiting for our pizza to come to the car. I'm sm- I'm getting the sense from shore break as I'm just sitting there. The smell, the aroma. Right. Come on. And the questions get a little personal and, and it, it goes, well, dad, I had responded to one of his questions. I said, well, cause I love you, buddy. Right. Thinking that's going to just shut it down. Right. And he responded with a question. Why do you love me? All right. A little deep, right? Seven. Right. He's a palms kids, uh, you know, byproduct though. They get, they get deep over there. Come on. And I said, I said, buddy, I said, daddy loves you because I made you. And immediately when I, when I asked that question, right? Y'all know where I'm going with this. Immediately when I asked that question, thinking, God, I just came here for some pizza and wings. And I'm about to bite off way more than I can chew. But I, his response, it honestly floored me. It took me aback. He said, Daddy, you didn't make me. He said, God made me. And I said, "Woo!" I don't know if I'm more proud of you or if I'm grateful that I've been saved from teaching the birds and the bees right now to my seven-year-old in the shore break parking lot when I just came for some pizza, right? So, but much like Jesus, Silas knew questions force us to dig deep, right? Questions that we have, they force us to dig deep. Jesus, like I said, he's responding with a question. Jesus was personally asked 183 questions. He only answered three, right? And he was asked personally over 300. Jesus was asked over 300 and only answered three questions. I'm not the best at math, but that's a ratio of about one to 100. Because Jesus knew questions force us to dig deep. See, what questions do, they actually stimulate our brain in all areas of a response and release what's called serotonin. What serotonin is, it actually forces us to go into a mode where we think beyond our current reasoning and try to come up with some sort of a logical answer or response. And it's interesting because if you lack serotonin, you actually are probably struggling with maybe depression or anxiety or something that's mental health related because questions are so good for us because they force us to dig deeper, right? So here's me. Um, as I'm preparing this message this week, I thought, hey, let me Google some good questions on religion, right? I wonder what some common questions are that we have. And here I found the top question um, on Google about religion, if you can imagine. It's, if God is real, then why is there so much suffering and hardship and persecution that we see going on around us, right? Anybody ever asked that question? You don't have to raise your hand. The algorithm already knows right google knows you asked it but if i'm being honest when i saw that in the google search i kind of thought well, what's number 2 say i don't want to maybe we could say this the second most popular question on google because i didn't want to go there right cuz if i'm being honest and real and vulnerable i've had moments like this in my life where i've asked this question time and time again one of those moments i want to share Um, was in early 2021. For those of you that have been a part of uh, Palms Church, Lifehouse Virginia Beach, before that for any sort of extended period of time, you know that in early 2021, we lost such a near and dear member and leader to this church um, through a battle with COVID. Justin Huff um, made such a tremendous impact in my life. And I remember the moment and the time hearing that he wasn't gonna make it through COVID. And I remember asking God this question. I remember thinking, God, here's a man. He's late 30s, got an amazing family, three beautiful children. And I had the moments I got to spend with him in the prior months, I was seeing God just doing amazing things in his life. The last moment we got to spend together, if any of you know, Justin was actually painting our old church office because that was the kind of man that he was. He was willing to do anything and everything for everybody else. And if I'm being honest, I asked that question for a year, right? I grieved with that question for a year. God, why, why did this happen? God, here's somebody who is so near and dear to my heart, who I love, who's making an impact right now. Why would you take him? Why does that happen? You know, and I think for us, we need to realize that we need to let God be God and realize that he's got the authority, right? We ask these questions and we need to realize that our questions remain in the scene, but answers are in the unseen. I want to show you a picture. I have it here. They're going to put it on the screen as well, too. This is my copy. The night that my wife and I found out that Justin had passed. It was such a, when Pastor Brandon had hit me up and said, didn't make it, it was such a dreary. It was a gloomy day. Um, it felt hopeless, right? My wife and I, we had actually um, driven to the airport. Justin's mom had flew into town. Pastor Phil and I had the opportunity to pick her up. Uh, her bags got caught at the baggage claim. My wife and I drove to, to get her bags for her a couple days later. And this picture is that night, it's my wife and I driving over the Lesnar Bridge. Again, dreary, gloomy day. You can't see it too well, but there's actually a rainbow in the midst of that sunset. So, see, it was interesting for me because I thought, God, I don't know what you're doing. God, everything looks so bad around me in the scene. But God's saying, here, see, this is kind of what the unseen looks like, right? Here's a dreary, a gloomy day. But this is the unseen, we see a rainbow. And if I remember correctly, when we had our services for Justin, we did some memorial services on our YouTube and Facebook. Sorry, Pastor Brandon, but they had the most hits of any message and video that we've ever done. I remember reading the comments. I remember time and time again of sailors writing in saying the impact that that man made on my life, I've been forever changed. I remember people emailing the church email saying, I've been forever changed by this man, and I remember struggling, thinking, God, why, why would you do this? God, why would you take somebody? And I think I'm standing here in a moment over a year later, and we're still talking about his impact. We're still talking about his legacy and what he left. I can't imagine the hundreds and thousands of lives that have already been changed by him, but that will continue to be changed from generation generation to generation. You know, and and what helped me, this was a year. I felt like I asked God that question for a year, that Google question. God, if you're real, why is there so much suffering and hardship? You know, I wanted to come to God with my answer. Why would you, you can't take Justin. Why would you take somebody like that? You know, my wife, when she took this picture, we made a couple copies. I had three of them. I had one in a card. That I wanted to give to April right after it happened, but I couldn't, if I'm being honest, I couldn't, I couldn't give it to her. It took me over a year to get to the space and the place where I could give this picture to April. But you know what changed my life in this situation was seeing her as she walked through this on a flourish night. And she said three words, God is good. You know, I don't know your question this morning. I don't know what it is that you're battling I don't know your diagnosis that maybe you've gotten. I don't know what maybe you're grieving today. I don't know what it is that you're walking through. Come to God with your question, knowing that your question will remain in what you can see, but that that answer is in the unseen. The answer is in the lives that Huffy impacted beyond belief, the lives that he's going to continue to impact. Again, I don't know what you're walking through today, but I know that God's with you. I know that he's there in the midst of your question and you're not alone. You know, we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, verse 39. This isn't going to be on the screen, but I want to read it. It says, he went on a little further and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Right. We come to God with our question and we bring our answer. Come on, somebody, because we want our will to be done. We want our answer to be played out. But God's saying, see, there's so much more. See, there's a sunset. See, there's a light. See, there's a dreary day. See, everything may seem dark right now, but joy is coming in the morning. I had want to share with you my big question. I want to share with you a, a journal entry um, that I wrote. It was December 20th um, of 2020. Um, I, I'm not a huge journaler, so I didn't have to go back too far to find it, right? <laughs> Picture you all thinking, man, it's just scouring through just journal entry after journal entry, right? My little black composition journal notebook, right? Kids don't even use that stuff anymore. Come on. It's all digitized, right? But I wrote this journal entry, and I hope it speaks to somebody today. It says, God, thank you for moments like today. Moments where you remind me that years ago, when I chose to be unfaithful to my wife, that you weren't sitting staring at that young man that was so lost in that Jeep with an iron fist. You were looking at me through the lens of grace. You were looking at me with a heart that was absolutely breaking for how lost I was, how caught up and wrapped up in sin that I was. I've been tormented by that moment, by that decision that I made to turn left. How could I have done that? Why would I have done that? Can I ever turn right again? I've wanted for years to go back to go back to that red light, to go back and turn right, turn right away from sin and take the path that you had for me. In all honesty, I wasn't ready to turn right. I wasn't ready to dive into a relationship with you deeper or to trust and give up control to you. See, I was in a Christian marriage unfulfilled. It wasn't my wife's fault. It was that marriage was meant to complete me, not fulfill me. The two become one as we complete one another, but never fulfill me. See, that was my question, and if I'm being honest, it was my question for about seven years, right? Why did I turn left? I knew what I was doing. I can go back to that moment. I had to go back to that moment, sitting in a red light, hitting left, turning away from my wife, turning away from what God had for me, and through seven years of a process, right, asking this question, coming to God with this question, I had to release the answer, Right. I had to go back to that moment. I had to relive that trauma and go back to the car, go back to that moment and say, God, I don't know why I did this, God, but I know that you were still good. God, I know that you were good in the midst of that question, because I think what I've realized the most in that seven years Again, I don't know what your question is today. I don't know what you may be personally questioning. I don't know what the mental health question may be. I don't know, maybe you thought your life would be at a different place right now. I don't know the grief that you're still questioning and you're walking through today. I don't know the diagnosis maybe that you're questioning. God, why does this happen? If you're a good father and you're a good God, why am I, why am I dealing with this? I think what I had to realize and what God taught me in that moment is that Jesus is the answer to your question. Right? See these religious leaders, they came to Jesus with an agenda. They asked the question, but they already had an answer in the back of your mind, their mind. Right? They wanted to capture Jesus in a moment. They wanted to capture him in a moment of blasphemy. But Jesus was saying, I'm the authority. Right? I'm the authority. There's a, a verse, it's one of my favorite verses. It's in um, Isaiah chapter 51, verse 17. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want to read it. says, no weapon formed against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord, no weapon formed against you will prosper. See, but it's interesting because the weapon may be formed in your situation. The weapon may be formed in your question. The weapon may be formed in your finances. The weapon may be formed in your mental health battle. The weapon may be formed in your grieving. The weapon may be formed in that diagnosis, but it said it will not prevail. Right? It will not prevail. Declares the Lord. God is declaring today that the weapon may be formed against you in your question, but Jesus is the answer to your question. He's the answer to your situation. He's the answer to that addiction. He's the answer to what it is that your family is walking through. So what do I do? Right? Anybody ever asked the question to God? You just don't like the answer. Right? Let's be honest. We've all been there. Right? We've asked God questions, but but we don't like the answer. Right? I think it's very simple today. I think we just do the opposite of what these jokers did, right? Can I say that, right? I think we do the opposite of what these religious leaders did. And I believe that's come to God with some humility, saying, God, you are in control. God, I don't know why this happens with Huffy, but you are still good. April can come up here and preach it right now. God is so good. God is still good. God, we don't understand why cancer happens in the midst of situations with young children, God, with adults, with family members, God, but you're still good. God, we don't understand why we're still battling the same mental health battle. It's been 10 years, maybe 15, maybe 20. Maybe it's felt like a stronghold on your family. God, we don't understand the medical diagnosis. God, but what we do know is you're still good. I believe worship sets us in that place. Worship puts us in a place of humility before God, saying, God, I don't know what's gonna happen. God, but I know that there's an unseen right now that's happening. God, I know that you are working on behalf of my situation. God, I know that you are working in ways that I don't even know. God, I know that your ways are higher than my ways. And I think we just need to believe that this morning. And just know that whatever it is that we're walking through, whatever answer you're trying to bring, you already have it. I titled this message message, You've got your answer. We already got it, right? Jesus is our answer. You know, I love, I love David in scripture. You know, David, he's a, a young scrawny. He's a teenage boy, right? He kills Goliath, right? But it's interesting because at the end of it, he actually steals Goliath's sword and he goes up and he chops his head off. Come on, somebody, right? But it's interesting because you think, here's a scrawny boy. All right, so scrawny, you know, scripture said he's a teenager. He's scrawny. And if y'all have ever tried to pick up a sword, there's some weight to that, right? They're kind of heavy, right? He picks up Goliath's sword and spear and he chops his head off, right? How many of y'all know that what the enemy sometimes sends to kill and destroy us, God will use for good. He'll turn it around. He'll take that sword. He'll take that spear and he's going to chop that head off. I don't know what your question is today, but I know that God wants to chop the head off. And you start to think, Well, how could David pick up that sword? It's heavy, right? How's he going to pick up that spear? He's a scrawny boy. And then I think we go back in scripture and we start to see that what David did was he picked up this thing called a harp, right? He picked up his praise. The harp actually meant in scripture, the presence of God. He picked up that harp and he carried it from the palace to a place of worship. And then he carried it back to the palace, back to his place of worship. So every single day he's picking up his heart he's getting strength in times and moments day and day again and God has strengthened him to a place because his presence was the harp his presence was with him David was not afraid of that Goliath he was not afraid of his question because he knew that that harp would carry him through the presence of God would you stand with me this morning I'm gonna call the worship team back up You know, I don't know what you're questioning this morning. I don't know what it is that you're going through. I love the C.S. Lewis quote, though. It says, God who foresaw your tribulation, right? He foresaw it. He already knows, right? I put in parentheses, I added or question, right? Because that's what we're talking about today. God who foresaw your tribulation or your question. He sees it right now. He specifically armed you to go through it. Not without pain, but without stain. He's armed you with a harp. Come on, somebody. He's armed you with your worship. He's armed you with your voice. He's armed you with a place of humility that's saying, God, I don't don't know what you're doing. God, I can't see any good right now. God, but I know that you're faithful. God, and I know that you're going to carry me through this. My favorite verse, and I've said that a couple times already. But my favorite verse is Romans 8, 28. And this one will be on the screen. And it says, and we know, right, we have assurance. I love that because it says, we know. If you know Jesus today, you know this, right? We know that in all things, right, not just some things, not just some questions, not just some diagnoses, but we know that in all things, right, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called According to His purpose, your story might not be done. And if it's not good, let me tell you, it's not right. It's not done because God, our God, works all things for good. Maybe today, maybe you're saying, "I, you know, I, I, I hear you today, right? I hear what you're preaching on. I hear this message, right? And I believe it today." But how many of y'all? Come on, somebody, you're gonna leave tomorrow. You're gonna forget this thing, right? You're gonna maybe you'll get to to Tuesday, right? You're gonna forget. Right, maybe on Wednesday. I believe it's Sunday and Monday, but I'm Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm done. Right, I love uh, smoking meats. Right, I had to make sure I said that correctly. I love smoke using my smoker. Right, had the opportunity. My wife has some some friends in town, had a a nine pound pork that I was smoking on Thursday for them. And if any of you know anything about cooking, uh, sometimes it's a process, it takes time. Right? I'm on, I'm on summer vacation, summer break, y'all. Come on. So I had to wake up at 6 a.m. That was early. Woke up at 6 a.m. Put that thing on. And it took 12 hours to cook. But see, if we would have eaten it at lunchtime, it wouldn't have been done. It wouldn't have been good. See, it took it was a process. Right? And every hour I had to go back and check that thing. Right? I had to make sure that it was on the way. I think for us this morning, I don't know what your question is. Maybe today you just need to come back to worship, right, for that first hour. And then you know what? Maybe tomorrow's going to hit, and you're going to forget, right? You're going to say, God, I I, I don't know what to do. Come back to worship, right? And then it's Tuesday, right? God, I still don't understand my question. God, I'm trying to create my answer, not your answer. We come back to worship, right? Maybe you need to take a sticky note today, right, and write worship on it. Okay, to come back to God to remind you that he's still good in your situation, that whatever question that you have today, that Jesus is still the answer. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come up here. But it's interesting because this story, right? Um, it's Monday, Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Uh, Tuesday, he's flipping tables. Wednesday, he's getting called out uh, on his authority, You know, I had a a moment the other day um, and just kind of was sitting on this message and this word um, and I was was running. Um, I know I'm pretty sick and messed up in the head because nothing was chasing me, right? It was purely for pleasure that I was running. Um, And I remember God just revealing to me, you know, this is actually Wednesday. Jesus is being questioned um, on who gave him this authority And it's crazy because two days later is actually Good Friday, right? When Jesus is going to the cross to die for our sins. He's going to the cross to die for their sins, right? They're questioning him. And Jesus, I I just was overwhelmed by how he probably felt in that moment, right? I'm going to the cross willingly to die. God, I don't want to do this, but I know this is your will. I know this is your plan. I think we need to stop asking Jesus why in our questions and say God what are you trying to teach me in this God where are you trying to teach me to trust you right now God what what is going to be seen on the other side right because right now it might not look good that diagnosis might not be good but God's saying you need to trust that I'm working in ways that you don't even know in Philippians 1 verse 6 it says being confident of this That he who began a good work, come on somebody, he began a good work in you, he will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He began a good work and our God finishes what he starts. And what's interesting about this, I want to share this before we go back into worship here in a moment. I promise you we'll get there. But this one day on Wednesday, this was actually the one day in the years of the temple that the gospel was actually preached, that Jesus was actually declaring the truth. One day right this temple had been there for years but for one day for one moment the gospel rang true through our Jesus and Lord and Savior right I don't know where you're at today but I know that one day can change everything all right we're gonna sing on worship with God's authority and one word can change everything I don't know what words you need to hear today but one word I know that you need to know is that there's hope there's hope in your question that there's joy in your question, that there's love in your question, that God sees you, that you're not alone, that he still has good plans for you, and that he's right there with you. I wanna pray over you, and we're gonna head back into a time of worship. God, I thank you for each and every person that's here within the sound of my voice. God, I don't know what people's questions are this morning, God, but I know what their answer is. God, I know that you're a good father, that you sent Jesus for us. God, if you do nothing else for us, The rest of our lives, God, you sent Jesus, and that is all that we need. God, I know one day and one moment changes everything. God, I pray right now for those that are in the valley of decision, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. God, that have never come into a relationship with you. God, I pray for a boldness right now in them, in their spirit. God, as we call people down to the altar in a moment, God, I pray that they would be real and vulnerable with what it is that they're walking through. God, and to know that this life is like a marathon. God, and this is a water station. These prayer warriors, they're encouragement. God, to know that we're not alone, that Jesus is the answer, and sometimes we need push back to that place. I want to encourage you right now, if you feel comfortable, to come up to the altar and ask for some prayer, because one word, one moment can change everything, and I'm believing that for you right now in this moment. Let's worship. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Hey, if you want to know more about Palms Church or just know what's going on or watch messages, you can go to palmschurchonline.com all the time. And today, if you want to partner with us in giving, you can go to palmschurchonline.com slash give to partner with us financially. We love you. We believe in you. And we are so grateful to have you a part of the family. See you soon.